Good morning, Machias family. Happy Sunday. We get, a sh- we get a share in the Lord's communion a little bit later. But first, let's have all those kids. Come on. But little do you know, this is part of the sermon. Pay attention today, all of you adults. How are you guys today? So good to see you again, all of you. Yeah. Hey, where's your brother? Oh, well, he's here somewhere, I bet. There he is. Come on up, Newell. All right. Okay. How many of you guys have ever kind of been scared of anything? Yeah. What kind of stuff scares you? Tarantulas. Tarantulas. That would do it. Yeah. <laughs> How about anything dark. else? What? The dark? You said the dark's one we have a lot, huh? What about you? Spiders. Spiders. Spiders are a big one. What about you? Scary dream. Okay. Scary dream. Um, how about you? Now, this is one for you. Um, Sometimes we're just kind of nervous about stuff, too, huh? Because we don't really know. Um, Paxton's going to come up and read the passage. I bet that's a little bit scary sometimes, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you did it last week. Were you a little bit scared? A little bit nervous? Yeah, because there's stuff that we do that make us nervous or scared or feeling like, I don't know if I can do this or I'm not sure how this is going to work out. We all have that. We do. Big people have those same things we call it. And, and so it's fear, right? We're afraid of things sometimes that we don't know, or we're afraid that sometimes we won't get what we want. So there's, there's, I'm going to say three things that God has asked us to do that are sometimes either make us scared or nervous. How about sharing Jesus with other people? Can you see yourself in there? Yeah. How about it? Sharing Jesus with other people. Sometimes is that scary? Yeah. Why do you think we're scared of that? Do you think some people might not like us or they think we're weird or they think we're mean because we, we want to we say we're Christians and Jesus wants to be part of your life? A lot of us, sorry, that's the same thing. We're afraid sometimes to share Jesus with other people because of they might not like us or they might think we're weird. Some of us are weird, but nonetheless. <laughs> and then how about Serving other people. You know, the Bible tells us you're going to put the needs of other people. As Christians, because you're, I'm going to give you a new heart, you're going to put the needs of other people before you. And sometimes we think, well, then how am I going to get what I want, right? So I'm a little bit scared to really just give up my life and serve other people, right? I mean, do you always do stuff for your sister and your, and your siblings? Or would you, some, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, because then, well, who's going to take care of me? And we have the same problem as big people. Sometimes we, uh, we say, well, if we serve God, who's going to take care of us? And then there's another one that says, obeying, God says, I want you to obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And sometimes those don't make sense to us, right? And sometimes we just think, well, if we're all busy doing God's stuff, then I'm not going to do my stuff. So we're afraid a little bit that we aren't going to have all the fun that we wanted to have in life if we just obey God. Okay. So all of those things produce anxiety or, or worry 
or fear, those three things, because we don't want to, we don't want to give up what we want. That's hard. So, um, once again, let me read you a verse real quick. It's in Psalms 56. Psalms 56 is a book in the Bible. And it goes like this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, O God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I shall not be afraid, for what could man do to me? Yeah, we don't want to be afraid of men, do we? We want to be able to trust God. So what do we do when we're feeling afraid? So let's, let's take a look at this. Now, again, we have to recognize these are object lessons. All right. So this is you and me. Here we are, and we're clear. We can see through. And we're, you know, this is us. And this is fear. It looks like dish soap, but it's fear. All right. In my house, this is fear. <laughs> Tim don't do much dishes. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so, Carol knows it's true. <laughs> okay, so this is fear. Let's watch what happens when fear comes into our life. And we're afraid of things. Okay, well, so far it doesn't look too bad. Are you, no? Are you afraid of dish soap? No. It's kind of fear. Okay, so there it is. And it, it kind of taints our life a little bit, doesn't it? It's kind of colored. Yeah. Yeah. But what happens when life turns us upside down and things start to go wrong? Yeah. And then, oh, what does our life look like now when it's full of fear? It's kind of cloudy. It's kind of hard to, to see through things. And kind of hard to, so how are we going to get rid of that fear in our life? That's right. So what's this say? Thank you, Maverick. This is Maverick. He's new for us with us today. Yeah, obviously he's a good reader. Um, the promises of and rules of God's word. So when we think, I'm afraid to share Jesus with other people, or I'm afraid to really commit my life to someone else and, and help others instead of worrying about me, or I'm afraid that if I follow God's rules, I'm going to miss out on stuff, we have to go to God's word and say, I'm just going to trust you, God, that when you say this is how it's going to work out, so we're going to pour a little bit of God's word into your life. Oops. First, we have to open up the Bible first. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, look what's happening. What's happening? All that fear is coming out. Because if you thought I was going to stick my finger in there and pull all those bubbles out, you're wrong. It looks like elephant toothpaste. Yeah. Okay, so we just keep pouring God's Word into our life, and out comes the fear until... There's none left. You know how many times the Bible says, don't be afraid? That's too much water. Yeah, it is. It came over the top. You know how many times the Bible says, don't be afraid? 365 times. One for every day in the year. So when we're afraid, we want to turn to the promises of God and in faith, trust that that's the best way because God has a plan for you. All right, so you guys 
get to go downstairs for church, except for you got to wait. Not today. Okay, I'm sorry. It's communion Sunday, so you get to stay up here and listen to the rest of the message. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to have Mr. Paxson come up and read today's passage, which is going to be 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8. First Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8. For you yourselves know, brothers, that, your, that our coming to you was not in vain, but, through, but though we had already su- suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to to declare to you the gospel of God in our God to declare I think I just looped back <laughs> You're doing fine For our appeal does not spring from error impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who, tr- who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the, pre- the pretext for greed. God is witness, nor nor did we seek glory for people from people, whether from you or from others. Though we could have made demands apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you like so like so being affectionately de- desirous of you who were ready to share, to share with you not only the gospel of god but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us thank you Wow, that was great. Thank you so much, Paxton. He's, yeah. How, how many of you would come up here and stand up here and do that? I don't know. Huh? Yeah, this can be a little bit scary. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, we, we had to coax him a little bit last time, but his sister got up and did it, so then I think I had to motivate him a little bit. But thank you for doing that, Paxton. You did a great job. Yeah. So this is an interesting sermon for me. Um, this is Paul, right, talking to and writing this letter to the church. It's the church he's writing to, uh, and so they're believers. And last week, we had 
kind of a commendation that Paul was giving them about the good things that they had done, about the, the, how the results of his, his ministry was going there. But this one, in this passage, uh, as we just read, it's more about Paul talking about himself and kind of defending his things. And it was really convicting about me because it really is about kind of Paul saying, hey, when I went into this, Paul and and, and Timothy and Silas, when I went into this town and, and began to share Christ and started a church and began to minister, this is how I did it. And so there were some things, and we're going to look at these three things here um, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8. Are we Paul's? That's going to make sense in a second. When we encounter opposition, because he talks about, this is what happened when I came, and, and I preached to you even though it was hard, even though there was opposition. And then examining his motives, he says, I'm going to look at you and say, when, when, when we came, we didn't come with impure motives. And then in the last, he talks about, and when I came, this is how I did it. Okay, so I thought, well, boy, this is really kind of pointing the finger at me. And, you know, I, so I, I had to examine myself, and it was hard. You know, how, how do I do in opposition? When, when, when I'm facing some sort of trouble, when people are rising up and saying, hey, we don't want what you have, or... We don't like Christianity because, look, this is how you're being viewed in the world. Or, you know, did I come and was I really nurturing? And so it was really, it was really convicting. I thought, hey, I'm done with that. (laughs) I'm going to turn it on you. And so I'm going to ask you to say, put yourself in Paul's place. And I'm going to first say this, because I think each one of us, needs to do what God did in me this week is examine yourself to see how you measure up to Paul. Now, the title of the sermon is, Are We Paul's When We Encounter Opposition? Are we Paul's when we examine our own motives? Are we Paul's when we employ the methods of serving God? How many of you are Paul's? I don't know if we have anybody named Paul. Okay. Um, okay. So besides the fact that you're probably not an apostle, um, you didn't write half of the New Testament, you didn't raise anybody from the dead, and you didn't get raised up to the third heaven, besides that, you can be a Paul. Because why? Because you have the same Holy Spirit that Paul had. Because inside you lives the same God that was inside Paul. The God with no limitations. The God who can have whatever he wants if you will surrender. I say you and I can be a Paul. And we're going to see, I mean, we we see throughout the New Testament, what kind of impact did God have in the lives of other people when he had a tool like Paul that was completely sold out for Christ? If you think my life, my Christianity is just kind of mediocre, don't settle for that. You can be a Paul. 
This just drops off a lot. Sorry about that. I'm serious. We settle. We think, I could never be like that. I could never have that kind of an impact for God. I'm just not qualified. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. This object lesson should hit home. We're afraid for those three things, to share Jesus with other people because we might face opposition, to sacrificially live for others like it says in Philippians chapter 2. Think not only of yourselves, but put others before you. And then to to really obey God's word because, frankly, God, I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on the things I want. That fear can be holding you back from being a Paul, from really having an impact in the lives of the people around you. Now, it isn't going to be you. We saw that last, last week. It isn't going to be you doing it, but we're going to look at that a little bit more closely. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, not empty in the, in the Greek. Paul did a work, or, or God did a work. Paul said that last time in, in chapter 1. We looked at that, and he said, look, I know it's not me. It was you. I know that because our gospel came to you in power, and I saw its effect. And so Paul clearly knows that it wasn't him doing it, but he was a tool in God's hands. And so he came, he said, look, I came, I was faithful, I did it in opposition, but there was an impact that happened, and we saw that last week. This church is amazing. You know, we, we had those three things, right? We were laboring in love, or laboring in faith. We were working in love, and, and they, were, uh, they were laboring in hope. They had those three things, faith, hope, and love. And so there was a major impact. Paul spent about three to six months there in Thessalonica, and when he left, this church was on fire, so much so that they were being talked about throughout the known world. These people are nuts for Jesus. So he knows that there was an effect. He says, I know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, was not empty. God did a work in you. However, he knows this. because the gospel came to you not only in word but in power and the Holy Spirit with full conviction, for you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake and that you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. See, they also were facing opposition, and Paul saw that they had enough strength because the Holy Spirit was at work in their hearts to overcome that opposition. But he also knows this, that the power is not in him. I think, again, I shared this with you last time. I am so grateful. I am so grateful that God is not depending on me to do anything in your life. I can be a tool for God. Hopefully, I can be a Paul. You know, Paul starts out in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I had to think about it. Tim, can I say that? Can I say that to you? Imitate me. Don't look too close. you got to ask yourself that. Can I say that to people? Can I say that? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, if you're trying to do it in your own strength, don't say it. It's never going to work. But here's what Paul knew. From Isaiah 55, verse 11, 
so shall my word go out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or vain, but it shall accomplish which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So I know that. I know if I stick to the truth of the Scripture. I know if I share with you the Word of God that that Word is going to go out and accomplish God's purpose for it in your life. I remember once, there, there will be more, but I remember once I preached and I thought it stunk. And I was embarrassed and I told myself, I'm never getting up here and doing this again. It was so bad. I felt it was so bad. <clears throat> one time, one time in my life, I had somebody call me shortly after the service was over and say, Tim, I was so moved by your message. It was that time. There you go. God does the work, not Paul. He knows that the power is in the Word of God. That's why we preach directly from the Bible. I'm not going to preach much of anything else ever. You know, we have topical ones, but I like to preach expositorily, where we just preach through the Scriptures, because it has the power to change people's lives through the Holy Spirit. It tells us this, for your word, in Hebrews 4.12, for your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Again, Paul knows. In fact, he's speaking the very words of God. We're going to see that later on in Thessalonians where he says, hey, you came, you listened to us because you knew we weren't just speaking words of men, but we were speaking the very words of God. So he could say that. Now, I have to say, I'm going to use Paul's words. Paul had his own words given to him by the Holy Spirit, and they became Scripture. Pretty sure that ain't going to happen with me. But if I stick to Scripture, I know that it has the power to go deep into your soul and change you. And so Paul's saying that. He says, look, we came. We had an effect. I know that effect was through God. But guess what? Paul also knew that God now, he could do it supernaturally alone, but most of the time, he uses you and me. And that's what he knows from here. Now, did I miss my verse? <clears throat> I want to do that now. It says this, because Paul knew that even though the power was in Scripture, that God has called each one of us to be a Paul in the world that we live in in the people that we know, in the, in the area of influence that you have. And there may be people that you are the only one in their life that knows Jesus, and he has put them there, and he has given you a task and a responsibility. And here's how it goes in Scripture. In Romans 10, 14 and 15, how then can they call on the one that they have not yet believed in? And then how can they believe in the one whom they have not yet heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, you can say, how can they hear without someone witnessing to them? How can they hear without someone sharing the hope with them? It doesn't have to be preaching. You don't have to stand up on a stage somewhere and preach. This goes for you as well as me. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That, that could be you. That could be you, the little Paul that's living inside of you. God has given us this responsibility. He says, look, I, I, I save people. I'm the one that changes their hearts. I send the Holy Spirit, but I'll use you. 
I'll use you to be part of that process. If you will give me all of you, I will do amazing things in you and through you. And you can be a Paul. So let's look at this one. How are we doing in the face of opposition? So, so you know, as I started thinking about this, as I do every week, I say, what truths are in there in God's Word today that we can relate to as human beings today? Okay, we can we read it and say, okay, that was great. It was great. And here's Paul, and he's saying some really nice things about them, and then he's kind of defending himself. Okay, I get it. It happened. What lessons can I learn from this today? So, like I said, I, I had some... some I put on my steel toe boots, I have some, and, and God's stomped on them anyway, and so hopefully he's stomping on you today. Say, so, you know, I, I really need to look at myself and say, if I am not a Paul, why not? How am I doing in the face of opposition? Um, do you think that's possible in today's life? Do you think Christianity is coming up against some opposition in your world? Oh, yeah. So buckle up. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, but every day as I read the news, it seems like Christianity is more and more under attack. It's not a popular thing to be associated with. And so we may have to say, you know, Paul, he had some opposition. We talked about that before. He had just come from Philippi before going to Thessalonica, he had been thrown in jail beaten with rods, and of course, miraculously, there was an earthquake, and God opened the doors, and out he went. But before that, he'd been thrown out of one area after another. In Lystra and Derba, he had been taken outside the city and stoned and left for dead. So that was on his first missionary journey, and you know, follow me, I'll go backwards. He goes here from Antioch and goes up and around up and around through that Macedonian area or the Asian area and comes around to um, those, those countries, and then goes a little bit further. And guess what? After he got taken outside the city in Lystra and stoned and left for dead, he came back through the same town. I don't know about you, but I'm probably ready to end my ministry at that point. Oh, Tim, if, if you go back into Machias, they're going to throw big stones at you. Um, uh, okay, God, where else would you like me to go? <laughs> but he went back. And so we're going to take Paul as our example and say, how are we doing in the face of opposition? How did they do? He, well, first of all, Paul said, hey, we had opposition, but so did you, Thessalonians, and you proved faithful, even when it was hard. And so here's this church, and he starts them, and they are getting flack from the people around them and from the Jews, from, from their fellow countrymen that are coming there. It's a very uh, cosmopolitan area there, a lot of different influences, a lot of different religions. There's the Greek religion uh, that the Romans had borrowed. you got a lot of Eastern mysticism. you got Judaism. you got the Judaizers. you got the Gnostics. Everything is against Christianity, and these people are this small little kernel of God in the midst of opposition, and they're flourishing so much that they're being talked about throughout Christianity in the entire known world because they gave themselves to God. 
Though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as I just told you, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. How about it? Are you bold? You know, we talked about it in the kids' object lesson. You know, sharing Christ with people can sometimes be uncomfortable. And sometimes we're afraid. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're afraid to share with people the one thing we have that makes any difference in eternity? I'll be honest. I, I have my times as well when I think, oh, man, it'd just be easier to just not say anything. You know, they're going to think I'm judging them. They're going to think, especially, oh, man, this is different. So this is different for me. Um, see, now you're a pastor. I don't even want to tell people I'm a pastor. But, but it's because then they think, okay, then they got to listen. Then I'm going to preach to them, right? Uh, I just want to, I, I just love you. I just love you and I want to share what I've got with you. And so I don't tell them I'm a pastor. I just start sharing Jesus and say, oh, you know, and then they find out you're a pastor. Ah, okay, I get it. You're just trying to get more people to come to your church. And that's, and that's the bummer part. Or, ah, you just want another notch in your Bible. No, oh, no, I just love you and I want to share what I have with you. That's what we need to do. Um, but it, sometimes it's uncomfortable how do we react in the face of opposition? Um, because it's, it can create some fear and, and some discomfort, right? And so what's the answer? What's the answer? Go back uh, to the object lesson. What's the answer? And it isn't dish soap. What's the answer? That's right. It's, it's relying on God and his promises and, and his word to say, I am with you always. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm with you. Fear no evil. See, we go to the promises of God. We say, yeah, God, this is hard. God, this is uncomfortable. God, I don't, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the opposition I'm going to get if I share my faith with people. Tim, trust me. You can do this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And you know what he's saying? He, he isn't saying, I can do all things that I want. No, no, that's not, that's not what that means. It's saying, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. All of his things. And one of his things is, be prepared to share the hope you have with the people around you. I have put some people in your life specifically to give you an opportunity to share the hope that you have. Yeah, yeah but God, uh, that's hard. Oh, I don't want to do it. And so so I, I, I was like that, and it was hard for me. And, and so I would pray. I'd pray at the, at the beginning of the day, God, if there's somebody out there who needs what I have that you have planned to drag through my life today, number one, let me be on the lookout for them and be ready. And two, give me the, give me the courage to share it. And man, I'm telling you, God answers that prayer every single time. Every single time. He'll do it. And then I ain't going to tell you how many times I still chickened out. But, but God would bring those people. And he'll bring those people to you too. And in the face of opposition, are you going to be bold? Or are you going to shrink away? Because I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge it can be scary. 
It can be scary. But, but God says, I'm tasking you. You are, I am going to build my kingdom. And my Holy Spirit is going to go ahead of you and change the hearts and minds of people. And I'm going to bring those people into your life. And I'm going to give you that chance to be part of their spiritual heritage, knowing that it's me doing it. But still, I am going to use you. And that is the commission he gives every single Christian. In the face of opposition, are you going to be a Paul or are you going to shrink out and say, I'm going to settle for mediocrity in my Christianity? I'm challenging you as God challenges me. Be brave by relying on the promises of God that through him you can do all things that belong to him. This church would swell if we're all doing it. And that's not the point. The point is not to get more people in here. The point is to build God's kingdom, God's way, with God's power, using you. And you say, well, ah, I'm not really gifted that way. Mm. I don't care, and neither does God. In fact, he says, I'll use the weak things of this world to prove my own strength. That's us. We're weak. And then God says, I'll use you anyway. What I really need to do is get your strengths out of the way so mine can come up to the top. So if you find sharing your faith with someone hard, that's a great thing. Then, then you're going to know it's God doing it, not me. I started this in my sermon. The sermon that Tim Henley prepared was verses 1 through 8. The one God's going to give you is probably going to be shorter than that. Uh, <laughs> Okay, okay, and here, so here's Paul, and he's saying, okay, I talked, about, um, I talked about our, how did we react when we encountered opposition? And what is God's word really going to do? Now we're going to talk about how does Paul deal with his motives. So he starts to examine his motives. Now, this is something where I had to go, and this is, again, was, was God kind of tromping on my toes and saying, okay, Tim, you need to go in there and examine yourself. Are you a Paul when it comes to your motives of serving me and serving others? Unfortunately, it goes on to say, and God knows. <laughs> He knows your heart. You can put on a show. I could put on a show and say, hey, I'm here. But let's take a look at what does, what does, what does Paul say. So for our appeal to you, so, so when we came and made this appeal to you to accept Christianity as the only way to be reconciled to God, our appeal does not come from error or doesn't come from false doctrine. When it says error there, what it really means is we didn't come to you with a message that we thought was going to sell so we changed up the truth a little bit because it was more enjoyable for you. We didn't come trying to give you some false doctrine that would hook you in. No. We came knowing that the truth is enough. We came knowing that we don't care where the chips fall. We're going to give you the gospel message unadulterated. We don't need to somehow trick you to come in by giving you some other little goodies. No, we just preached Christ and Him crucified. That's what He said. I have nothing to give you except this. Christ came to save sinners. I preached Christ and Him crucified and resurrected. 
So we didn't come here with with impure motives. We didn't try to trick you, and we didn't try to deceive you. We came with pure motives. Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. See, God tests our hearts. And so here we had, we had some things here, and here they were. Okay, they didn't come from impure motives. They didn't come uh, with error, they, and they didn't come with deception or try to trick people. So, now that's pretty obvious to see, as we can just go to television, right? You can see those false teachers. You can see those guys that are out there trying to just get power or get influence or, God forbid, money. Okay. I, I get that. I can go to should I, TBN. I think it's TBN. I don't watch it, but um, one of those, and you can hear those guys one after another. And you got to think, man, I know we've said, Carol said, man, do they not fear God at all? Holy smoke, how do you stand up in front of people claiming to be a Christian and preach the prosperity doctrine or some other manly hook to get people to follow you? Okay, so we get that. We get that that it's out there in Christianity. We get that that there's these false teachers. But how about you and how about me? Now, I'm not trying to get rich off this. I I don't care about power. I'm not looking for influence. I don't need you to love me and like me. I I like it, but um, that's that's God. He does that. Um, I want to faithfully serve you and love you and, and give you God's word that will change your life. Okay, so we got to look at this and say, am I a Paul when it comes to my motives for serving God? Am I a Paul when it comes to my motives for loving others and serving others and serving the body of Christ here at Machias? See, God knows. Now, i got to say, even though, you know, I said, okay, God, this is, this is Paul, and, he, you know, so this is really, you need to be the first guy in line here to say, are your motives pure? What, what techniques are you using? Um, you know, how, how are you trying to get people? I don't know. I, I just come, and I just try to present to you the, the message God's given me. But we all have to examine ourselves the same way. And it says right in there, there's no, there's no way you're going to lie to God. He knows. He sees your heart. He understands how, what the motivations are that you have for serving. But again, I'll go back and say, um, you know, I, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't see your heart. But I can see your character, and I can see your behaviors, and I can see your service. And I am, I am so proud of you. I see so much love. It, it, it is. It's like a family. You guys just, you're, you're crazy for one another. It's so cool to watch and see people coming alongside people. So I am not saying for, oh, oh man, we really stink at this. You guys all need to examine yourself. I'm saying, I'm saying, look, I see some wonderful things. But nonetheless, we could all stand to examine ourselves constantly. Am I a Paul when it comes to my motives for serving God? Because it's very easy, right? It's very easy to be a man pleaser. Um, It says in here, uh, we did this not to please men, 
So, so, so they came and said, look, we understand this message that we have, very much so the message that you have, is not going to be a man-pleasing message if you go out and preach the gospel or teach the gospel or share your hope with people. That's where we are now as a culture. Christianity is seen as judgmental, bigoted, hateful. But are we going to try to please man or are we going to try to please God? And so, so that's what God is, that's what Paul is telling us. That's the message that I took away from this passage right here is God is saying, are you going to do this really truly for me? To make me happy? Because my methods are not going to make sense to many of you. When I say go out and share the gospel in, in the midst of a heathen society, that's not going to be easy. But are you here to please man, and man would include you. Am I here to please me? Am I here to please other people? Um, or am I here to please God? There's a book um, that, that I have. It's called When Men, Are, when Men Are Big and God Is Small. It's really great. I know, Josh, I think you, you were talking about that and you read it. Um, oops. It really helps us to understand how much of the things that we do are aimed at how other people view us probably more than you would think. When, 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 when people are big and God is small, um, got to turn that around. In my life, am I doing this truly for God? Do I really care? Or is, is my main motivation, I need you to approve of me. I need you to validate me. I need you to like me. I need you to love me. I need you to think, yeah, Tim's a good guy. Or am I going to say, nope, God, I am all in for you wherever the chips fall. And we need to examine ourselves constantly because it is so easy to be a man pleaser. So am I out there doing this, uh, serving God and, and, and doing things at the church so other people will look and say, oh, look at Tim, what a, what a great saint he is. It's really easy to fall into that. Are we in it to please man or are we in it to please God? Um, let me see, four of eight, I guess that would be half. You get the next half next Sunday. <laughs> We're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to have Ken come up and give us our communion meditation. Uh, dear Lord, um, I am clearly and not a Paul. I am a Paul in the making, hopefully. And that's where we all are. Lord, there's things that we're holding back from you. And without stopping to examine, Lord, we need to examine ourselves to find that thing that we're still holding back. Whatever it is, that fear that we have that's holding us back from giving you all of it so that we can be a Paul. And we only are trying to be a Paul so that we can please you and we can find that joy and peace and satisfaction that you want for us. Not for ourselves, but because of what you've already done for us. So, Lord, I would just pray that you help us to see inside of ourselves, to find those things that we're holding back, to overcome the fears that we have and give it all to you and see what you will do. 
And we just thank you and praise you in advance for how you're going to do it. In Jesus' holy name, amen.